0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and today I am thrilled to welcome back on the show a comedian whose work I've enjoyed for such a long time, his latest Netflix special, What a Day?, Premieres next Tuesday, December 13th, and it might just be my favorite one he's put out yet. Tom Papa, thanks for joining me again.
1: Nice to see you.
0: I was looking back. We talked last uh, in person right before the pandemic. I feel like it was like January or February of 2020. Um, One thing I was thinking about was I don't think I realized how prescient your bread baking skills would become at that point. Uh, So it's just like a a fun hobby that we all took up uh, right after that, right, right after we talked.
1: It's so funny. I literally was thinking about that uh, this morning when I was baking bread. Yeah, I was I was shaping the the loaves. You know, it's such a part of my life that I got to shape the loaves before I go off and do my radio show and do all this stuff. And I was literally thinking, I've got to put out a video about. Hey, remember when everyone thought that they were getting into sourdough bread and it was like their thing and. I wonder how many are still doing it now. Yeah,
0: very few. <laughs> I, w- I definitely had a starter going for a couple months, and uh, I, I no longer have it. So
1: yeah, it's a lot of work.
0: It is a lot of work, but you were ahead of the game on that.
1: Yeah, um, I yeah, I had started a couple of years before all of it, all the troubles. So I was. It was kind of like when you're into a band. Yeah, and in the early <laughs> days, then all of a sudden everyone likes them. You are like, you don't know. I was there in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. So yeah, how have these past couple of years been for you uh, since we talked?
1: Um. They've been pretty good. You know, pretty all the uh, major existential craziness aside. Um. It's been okay. We got through it all right. You know, Thanksgiving. We always do that thing where you go around the table and say what you are thankful for and stuff. And I had to like call out my my family like my daughters and my wife and it was like we did it we kind of we did it we got through that okay got through yeah like we were healthy and we were we were conscious of taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other and not getting you know sucked into the worries of it all and we did plow through we kept busy we plowed through and we got spit out at the other end and everybody's off doing their things and um that kind of sums it up. You know, we just really just paid attention to, okay, this is weird. And you can go, we could either give into it or we can just work harder and come out okay. And so far Knockwood, we seem to have pulled it off.
0: Yeah, I mean, when we talked last time you had your, your previous Netflix special coming out right around that time in early 2020. Now it's been, you know, about two and a half years. Um, and you have this new one uh, what a day which i as I said I, I really enjoyed um, there's a lot about your your family in it um, I love that you kind of have this whole bit towards the beginning talking about your parents aging and and sort of looking at it from that perspective but then you very quickly turn it around on yourself and talk about the way that your teenage kids see you um, so you kind of get both sides of that you get to talk about age from from both angles
1: thank you for phrasing it that way because I need ammunition to in discussing it with my parents. <laughs> I mean, you, you,
0: you quickly become the punchline, uh, after you're talking about them.
1: Yeah. And they don't see that. They only see no. me attacking them. <laughs> but you're right. You know, it's like, I'm, yeah, I, I take it on myself also. Um, yeah, you can't help, but it is kind of, it is pretty, it's pretty personal, I guess. Like everyone in my family, I talk about and I talk about my parents aging and, funny way and then I talk about my daughters and what they're up to and it is legit like all that stuff is happening and, um, uh, and they know it's happening you know people always ask like is, are you, is your wife okay with joking about whatever and I'm like she knows it's jokes but she also knows that her ankle does pop when she walks <laughs> <laughs> my wife has a lot going on she grinds her teeth in her sleep she's so angry she's grinding her own teeth down to nubs And rather than find out the cause of that, they don't do that. Instead, they just give her an NFL-issued mouthpiece and just shove that in her mouth like a chew toy from Petco. She goes through three or four a month like an angry beaver. I wake up with bits of plastic all over my face. and it's blue, and it glows in the dark. <laughs> yeah, that's how I know if we're fooling around at night. If I see a blue floaty thing coming across the room, not happening, not tonight.
0: What about your kids? Cause that can be different. I mean, and especially teenagers, um, Do they, have, have you, has that evolved over time? The way you talk about them, how much you feel like you can talk about them?
1: Yeah, like I've always been pretty careful. Like what's interesting is when they're little, they don't know because they don't care. They don't, you know. Now they're like they're, you know, seventeen and twenty. Now they're they're gonna run into it. They have Netflix, you know. Right. They're gonna so
0: they're gonna hear about it from people.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um so for the first time but I'm also very kind. I don't there's you know, there's nothing really to go at them other than the way they treat me. Yeah. (laughs) But there was this one story I tell about my, uh, uh, my daughter coming to me and saying that she's not into alcohol and she doesn't drink or anything. And then she, she only smokes weed. And Netflix actually said, um, when they go through, they go through legal with all of your stuff and just to make sure, like, does this person really exist? And does that guy really do? And there were only two notes. And one of them was, um, is your daughter okay with you telling this story? <laughs> like and it's is not she, even that much. Is she
0: going to sue Netflix? Is <laughs> yeah, that their concern?
1: Right. Yeah, I guess so. But that was like, oh, she's a grown-up now who has uh, who who could uh, bring charges, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> did you talk to, to her about it? About. Yeah, so I ran it by her, and she said, yeah, it was fine. It was funny. And then she said, uh, when she got there, she goes, Oh, I didn't know you were taping. I thought this was just a live show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you uh, didn't notice uh, all
0: those cameras?
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, um, so
0: it sounds like your kids maybe handle it better than your parents.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everyone goes through different, through different, uh, you know what it really comes down to? I, I've, I've figured out they only, if they're getting, if they're getting, uh, if they're sensitive to something that you're saying in your act, Um. It usually has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what's going on outside of the act. So like if, if my wife and I are in a good place and we're really tight and everybody feels secure, every joke is hilarious. If you go through those periods where you know maybe she doesn't like me as much, then all of a sudden the, the joke might be a problem. <laughs> it's usually an indicator of what are you taking care of, which is kind of good to keep in check. It's like how are you, how are you maintaining your relationships in real life and if they are in a good place, then you sh- should be afforded to joke. If things aren't going that great, uh, then maybe you you haven't earned the right to to tell a joke about it.
0: Have you been out on the road more now in the past, you know, leading up to this special uh than you were in the in the years before?
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot. um even more than not even just in relation to the pandemic, which of course was a bump, but even before that, it was I was going uh a lot harder, a lot more. Um, which is, which was great, but it also, uh, it's time for a break. (laughs) I got a text from my wife saying, my wife texted me and said, did you move out and not tell me? (laughs) (laughs) That's never good. That's not good. It's like, all right, it's time to, uh, it's time to be home for a bit, but it's been great because like, since the last two specials, like to be able to go out to these theaters, you know, with a thousand people that want to come to the show, it's like, how do you not take advantage of that moment and build that audience. And that's what you kind of wish for from the beginning. So when it starts to happen, it's hard to say no.
0: Is that something that you actually saw start to happen a lot more after the previous Netflix special? Did that, because I know, I mean, you've been doing it for so long, but that must have been a big uh, bump as well, just because it's a a bigger audience.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, like the business has changed also. Like people, when I was starting out, there was like one or two people that would play a theater. Like it wasn't that business model wasn't really the the big thing was to sell out hilarities in Cleveland for the weekend. Yeah,
0: for the weekend. Like, uh, yeah. yeah,
1: and then it kind of evolved and changed. And at the same time, when my specials were coming out, so uh, so yeah, it 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 really changed and it's so much nicer. <laughs> I mean, it's so nice to walk <laughs> yeah. into a theater and it feels like a show. You know, especially if it's something that you really take a lot of pride in and work on and stuff. It's like, you know, you don't want to be fighting against the wait staff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I was talking, I just had uh, Sebastian Maniscalco on the podcast um, and we were just talking. And one thing that we were talking a lot about is sort of how the culture has changed, how comedy has changed since he started. Um, and his kind of big takeaway, at least on stage, and I think somewhat in how he really feels is that things just kind of keep getting worse. Like he always wishes that things were like they how they were in the, you know, in the, in the good old days. Um, watching your comedy, I, I imagine that you feel differently that you sort of embrace uh, progress a little bit more, but I, I was curious to put that to you. How do you think things have changed both in the culture at large and, and specifically in the comedy world? Um, and do you think it's, it's mostly for the better or mostly for
1: the worse? Um, it's probably a mixed bag you know i'm uh i don't know i mean culturally and comedy wise i mean it's it's kind of a comedy wise we'll take that part of it first uh that part of it is you know for for the minefield of of all of this the cancel culture and the you know all of that stuff that's going on which is very real and we know there's there's real people that are running into real problems and people that have no ill will like being called out and that is a very real thing and it's not even just the big stories it's smaller stories that you don't even hear about and the way things are being curbed and stuff that is definitely a something we've had to ride but it also as far as stand up comedy in the culture and its relevance and the scope of it uh it, it, you can't complain about that like it's a weird thing to be like, okay, we're fighting this, sure, but there's also more voices from different communities and different gender and ethnicities that are all having moments and having this ability to go. And there's huge audiences for all of them. There is a huge Sebastian audience, there's a huge um uh you know, Fortune themster audience, there's a huge, I mean, and any night it's mind-boggling. And that's never been in comedy, that in any night there are all of these comics across the country, not even mentioning the globe, let's just talk with America, playing out these huge venues every weekend. That's You can't complain about that. You can't complain about the state of comedy in that what regard. Do you,
0: what do you attribute that to?
1: Um, I think it's become uh, – I, I think people have seen the value of it. I think that people – you're no longer able to go laugh. They're not making a lot of great comedies any longer on yeah, TV. There's not
0: a, yeah, and movies. and
1: yeah. yeah, those. so where are you going to get your laughs? And, to, and then they show up and they see stand-up comedy and you get more laughs in an hour and a half than you would in the rest of your life for the rest of the year. And also once entertainment became, once news became entertainment, it lowered the number of uh, the authorities, uh, the, the, the authoritative voices, have all kind of like Walter Cronkite and <laughs> Johnny Carson in a way, like they all kind of like equal out. So like people are starting to, once people started looking at Jon Stewart just as valuable or more so than CNN or Fox news, they became important and it was like, let's listen to these people. At least they're speaking the truth. At least they're not bullshitting us. So I think the, the confluence of all those things just made it huge, just made it a, a really great thing. Now culturally. Um, is change always great? I don't think so. (laughs) I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, I'm a little more old school in a lot of ways. And I like the simplicity of the way things were, you know, but I think that's every generation sees their way kind of blown apart and it's unsettling. But, but at the same time, you know, you you're, you can't stop it and we're going to progress. So you might as well jump on. I don't want to be the guy who's just constantly railing against, you know, back in my day, you know, I mean, do I think that everybody having, um, intensely powerful speakers, uh, that they can just walk around and ruin every beach experience <laughs> or, or park experience is a good thing. No, I don't think that's good at all, yeah. but, uh, but I'm also, I don't want to be the, uh you know, just the old guy, you know, railing yeah, against get off
0: Get off my lawn kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it does seem like in terms of uh being funny without offending anyone, uh, that that's something that you've been very good at throughout your career and including in this special. um, Is that something that you think about or is it just the, the types of things that you like to, to joke about? Are there bits that you might, think of, but you go, oh, well, I'm not going to do that because it might push buttons in a way that I don't want to?
1: No, I never really censor it that way. You know, I just talk about what I really like to talk about. I like to really get into the human condition and I like to talk about family and I like to talk about even like during the pandemic or during the Trump years, it wasn't like I wanted to talk so much about them as much as how, what our reaction is to it. You know, like what does that mean for me and my neighbor? or What does that mean for me and my family? And that's just kind of the the uh, sandbox, I guess, that I play around in, you know. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that the culture now hasn't gotten so crazed that even I, you know, end up having people come at me for saying whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, you you've, can mention- you've
0: had that experience?
1: Yeah, I've had that experience. I had, a, uh, I had um, you know, as small as people just on social media, like, popping off and saying like you can't mention something about suicide or I called myself fat and I was called out for fat shaming. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I had this, uh, I had this game show that I was going to do. And, um, it was with a news organization and somebody didn't like a joke that I had in one of my specials and they pulled the plug on the whole project from this one joke. And it was one joke where I said it was about, uh, I say in the joke, it's about not, not understanding cultures. It's about it, it comes from fear, and fear comes from ignorance. And I am ignorant of that culture. And like I said, like I know what I was doing. This was before all the hypersensitivity, and just because, just they, because
0: that existed out there.
1: Yeah, and then they went through, and then they went through all of my material for my whole career. They literally vetted. They saw this joke, and then they went through everything. All my Rogans, all of my everything's, and they couldn't come up with one other thing. <laughs> but that and was they enough. Still, and they still yanked it. Yeah. Wow, that's so, crazy. I
0: mean, yeah, when you were talking about smaller examples of cancel culture that we don't hear about, that certainly could be one. Because there's the flip side of that is there's the the massively famous comedians who it seems like complain about cancel culture but keep getting more and more huge opportunities. So there's right. there's two sides <laughs> to that coin, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely it's definitely real it definitely it definitely exists
0: that's wild yeah i mean because when i think about your comedy i certainly don't think of it as being controversial or uh anything like that it really
1: 100 i mean i have a lot of comedian friends that say once they would come for papa then we know the game is over (laughs) (laughs) and and and, you know not a lot of people even know the story but um but yeah i mean so so if that's where we're at if we're if you're in a a place where there are organizations that are so afraid of um backlash from their own people or whatever whatever gutless uh, reaction to non-complaints if we're living in that then how can you even monitor that so like that was that was based off a joke where i was very careful to say it's my ignorance in the joke and and still that blew up so why would you bother wasting any time censoring yourself because there are no, there is no rationale to some organizations, uh, handling of that kind of thing.
0: What was the uh, news organization?
1: USA today. Could not have been sillier. Yeah, um, that's but crazy. it exists. So as comedians, like you really can't, but I do watch like younger comics and like, even in their jokes, they're like apologizing for what they are before they say a joke, you know? Well, as a, as a white guy, I can say that. Yeah, because um, people, you
0: think people are kind of freaked out about that kind of thing happening. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but you know, I think, um, I think that, it, I think that truth will met out. I think the truth will. These things are we're play acting in a lot of t- instances. Like the person to say from the organization, one person to say that they were offended. Um, that's not as truthful as all of that's not. The real truth was that all of the rest of the people in the organization said no this is fine and i think that if you if you're play acting and we're all playing these roles in these games and acting like this pretend mock outrage or uh, being offended that's not gonna hold up you know the truth i think will end up ultimately um right the ship
0: yeah yeah um are you already now? that Your special is about to come out. Are you already at work on your next hour, or what's your process like for that? Do you do you take yeah. a break, or do you?
1: No, it's always you know where I'm always going. So you know now I'm back in the clubs and working on stuff, and it's just it, it's I don't look at it so much as a you know we're, we all have to do the same thing. Like you do this, and then you come up with a new thing, and you. It's always been this kind of evolving body of work. So you always have stuff that you're talking about. Even when you're recording this special, there's other things that you're starting to venture off into talking about. And, you know, this last one took about two and a half years. And um, I don't hold on to any kind of like timeline, you know. Just, uh, just keep moving forward and keep it fresh.
0: Yeah. Is there any themes or anything on your mind that, you, that you're talking about on stage right now that, that you're excited about?
1: Yeah, I'm talking about uh, right now about knowing too much information. Uh, yeah, that when, uh, that like kind of the problem with where we're at culturally is that you know too much. So there can be no yeah. heroes. There can be no institutions. There can be no celebrities. There could be nothing because you know everything about them. And, uh, and that kind of ruins everything. Like I don't even want to know what my wife is thinking about me all the time. Like, why would I ever ask that? Something you don't need the answers to everything. Yeah, it
0: kind of it's it's the knowing too much about your heroes, uh, especially in, in 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 art sense, can be can be tough. Whether it's comedians right. or musicians <laughs> or or anyone. um
1: Yeah, there's nothing worse than when I see like I'm a big baseball fan, and when I really like somebody, and like, oh, this, and then you see them in an interview, like I always picture them as older than me and more right. important. That's than a, me. that's
0: always hard to to get your head around that all athletes are are younger than us now.
1: Yeah, that they're 19 and don't know anything and you're like, "Oh, I I don't need to hear him talk. I just <laughs> yeah. want to see him play." Just watch him play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I usually ask uh in in our, you know, longer episodes these days um about uh comedians when they met their comedy heroes. So that kind of goes along with that. Do you have a um a story about meeting one of your comedy heroes for the first time and and what that was like for you?
1: Um yeah, well, I people always ask like what was one of your biggest breaks. And it was, um, meeting Seinfeld was like, was such a huge thing for me because it gave me validation of how to work. And he thought I was funny and I worked in a similar way to him. And then he was able to open some doors for me. And, and that was definitely, there was nothing bigger in my career than my friendship with him. But one of the, one of the lesser known things was when, uh, I came into a restaurant once and saw uh, – and it was early with my parents in L.A. It was this really nice restaurant, so we could only get in at like 5 in the afternoon. And we walked in. The only other people that were there was Steve Martin and Diane Keaton having, uh, having dinner <laughs> together. And I was like – and he was, he was like the first guy. Him and Carlin were the first that I ever even heard of. And uh, it ruined the whole meal because I, I was like, <laughs> I can't go over. There's no way like that knowing too much information like the baseball player I don't want anything nothing good is going to
0: you don't even nothing, want to know what he's eating
1: I don't want to know what he's eating I don't know how, he, how he's going to react I don't want to think about what he thought about what I just said I don't want to he's here at 5 cuz he doesn't want to be interrupted it just whatever it, it could go great and it still won't match what he meant to me so it just ruined the meal, and I just sat in the other booth and kind of, like, glared at them. <laughs> <laughs> it was like he, he was too much of a hero. I didn't want to meet him.
0: Did you ever meet him later on?
1: Uh, I did. I met him once um, backstage at the Beacon when he was going to go out and do, like, five minutes in front of Jerry. He actually bumped me. I was going to do the show <laughs> with Jerry, and Steve Martin came, and, uh, and they, he bumped me. Oh, how did that feel? <laughs> Uh, it felt great. I didn't have to. I, I still got paid and didn't have to perform, and got to sit with Steve Martin. Is sitting nervously in the back with his jokes, wondering what he was going to do. Uh, yeah, I please. I have no ego there.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. The other question that I like to ask uh, comedians, and maybe we can actually end on this, is: um, is there a story or memory from your career that really makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it
1: happened? Hmm. This is kind of small thing but it is pretty funny now and at the time I was like maybe this is not the career for me. <laughs> was uh I was playing a club in at Rascals at the Shore in New Jersey. And uh I was doing a show and trying to do my little jokes and somebody threw a french fry at me and it had uh, ketchup on it. So it like it like hit my shirt and stuck and it just became I was just like what? was that and i looked down as it slowly started to just <laughs> crawl down my shirt i was like why am i working in a place where they have french fries <laughs> why am i writing these jokes for people that would throw those french fries drawer maybe this and i really had an existential crisis for the next couple of weeks after that happened but now looking back, it was it, it is pretty funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you're up there with what looks like a blood stain on your shirt. That can't be good.
1: Yeah, and you have to keep going. You still have to do the rest of your time.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen at theaters, so that's good.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. No french fries allowed. It's in my rider.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Tom, thank you uh, so much for doing this, and, and uh, it's been great to talk with you again. And yeah, as I said, I really loved your your new special. I think it's so funny. Um, and uh, yeah, congrats, and excited to see what what you do next.
1: Thanks, man, I appreciate it. Good seeing you.
0: All right, thanks again to Tom Papa for coming back on the podcast for this bonus episode. His new stand-up special, What a Day, premieres next Tuesday, December 13th on Netflix. You can get tickets for all of his upcoming tour dates at TomPapa.com. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude. You can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week.